Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The death uh, of George Floyd at the, uh, the knee of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer. And so the trial of uh, Chauvin is scheduled to begin on the 29th of March. What to expect? And what are some of the challenges as far as jury selection is concerned? Some of it's gone on. Some of the jurors have been selected. Fourteen are going to have to be selected before the uh, before the trial itself uh, gets underway. Joining us on the program, we're glad to have him back, is Professor Alex Del Carmen, Associate Dean, School of Criminology, Criminal Justice, and Strategic Studies at Tarleton University in Texas. Professor Del Carmen's book is Racial Profiling in America, and he has trained all active ch- police chiefs in the state of Texas. Professor Del Carmen, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. What do you find encouraging and or discouraging about what we know about the upcoming murder trial of Derek Chauvin? As you've read the news accounts and spoken with your associates and, and with police across the United States, what encourages you and what has you doubtful? Well, you know, I think that there are many, many emotions across the United States and the world about this trial, right? So on the one hand, you see that, you know, they, they have restated, for instance, a third-degree murder charge, which I think is very significant in the context of the ammunition, for lack of a better term, that they have against uh, Chauvin. Uh, secondly, they, they I think that the, the trial in itself is going to be filled with a great deal of scrutiny and oversight. And regardless of how the trial ends, uh, whether or not the officer is found guilty as charged or not guilty, uh, it is going to uh, simply have a, a, a significant effect on law enforcement and the population in the United States, where if he's guilty, uh, which is the likely scenario, if I were to predict one, um, I think that there are going to be some serious ramifications and changes in the law enforcement profession in the U.S. If not, and I think there's going to be changes, but I think there's, there are going to be many protests around the country as well. Now, let me just ask you about these murder charges, because we have a second-degree murder charge. We have a third-degree murder charge brought back in and been taken out, as I understand. And then there's the manslaughter charge. What are your thoughts? Please expand on this. Why the three, why the three charges? What does that speak to for you? So, so essentially what this means in the legal realm is that you, sem- you simply have a net of charges that if one fails, uh, the jury uh, is likely to find the other one a compelling reason. Right? So, so what they're, the third-degree murder charge, basically, sometimes we call it the depraved mind or depraved heart murder charge. It simply applies uh, to a case in which a person does something eminently dangerous to other people without regards for human life, right? Uh, for instance, it would be like randomly fired into a crowd or driving on the wrong side of the road. Uh, th- this particular charge, what it does is it, it, it brings in sort of the the, the net or, or the or the or the uh, security that would actually be in place in the event that the that the jury does not find the officer uh, guilty of the second degree murder charge, which basically means that you know that Chauvin unintentionally caused Floyd's death while committing a third-degree assault. So it's sort of a legal jargon, but the bottom line that your audience needs to know is that it's simply a, a, a way to secure a, a guilty verdict uh, based on any of these circumstances. So let me then ask you, the next question, of course, has to deal with the jury selection. 
so so far, I, I think it was it six jurors that have been selected. That's the last number I saw. Uh, what are your thoughts on jury selection and the challenge of selecting a jury for this particular case? Well, you know, the challenge is because obviously many people have been exposed to the story, have seen the the video, and have heard the protests around the globe. I mean, you would have to have a very secluded life for you not to have heard or seen what happened on May 25th of last year. Nevertheless, I think what the what the both sides actually, but mostly the defense attorneys, are probably going to be looking for is uh, individuals that have made, have not made up their mind as to whether or not the officers involved in this case are in fact guilty as charged, right? So, so the idea is to have somebody that is open-minded, somebody that's going to look at the science, and someone that's going to look at the facts and then subsequently make up their mind after those have been presented. And, you know, I need mean, not tell you that the challenge is that, you know, people sometimes say, yeah, I haven't made up my mind, but instinctively they already have, so how do you really prove one way or the other? Your book is titled Racial Profiling in America, and it deals largely with uh, police agencies in the United States. But uh, where does racial profiling, if it does, where does it fit into this entire issue of the trial of Derek Chauvin? Well, the, the, the premise of the, and I've actually written the second book uh, called Racial Profiling in Policing Beyond the Basics, which was released a few months ago, but I will tell you that that in that particular book, which I finished, I happened to be finishing it a week after George Floyd died. One of the things that I say in the book is that um, George Floyd's incident made the unbelievable believable to many uh, middle-class white Americans, right, that had you know, always denied the possibility that, you know, in this particular country, uh, in, this, in this time in history, an African-American person or a Latinx person would, could not die in the hands of law enforcement uh, for no reason at all, right? So I think it made it made the unbelievable, you know, believable in the sense that it changed our minds and hearts. But I think the more significant part is that racial profiling plays in this case by virtue of the fact that the argument is, is, is still ongoing, that, that if these officers would have encountered the same type of individual for the same, same type of offense, but that person would have been Caucasian, uh, the outcome would have been radically different from, from what we saw on May 25th of last year. Professor L. Carmen, what are you hearing from uh, American law enforcement about this entire issue from the very beginning to where we are today with Chauvin facing trial on the 29th of March? What are you hearing? What stands out to you? Well, the law enforcement community is very concerned, and I will say that, you know, I was very pleased to hear that so many police chiefs the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the, you know, the major chiefs uh, uh, group in the United States, and various other entities came out forcefully to essentially say, you know, we do not accept this behavior as normative in the law enforcement profession. So, so I was very proud of the folks in law enforcement that came out and said that. Um, I was also discouraged by the few that were simply uh, still trying to find a caveat or a reason that would justify essentially why, you know, uh, George Floyd died. But I will tell you that ultimately there is a great deal of fear, there is a great deal of concern uh, in the law enforcement profession right now as to what the outcome of this is going to be and what the ramifications are going to be to the profession. I, I hope and, and I pray, I work very hard every day to ensure that, that hopefully the changes will be positive and that, and that we are going to have better police departments, better police officers, uh, individuals that have a better 
uh, ability to control uh, their instincts as, as far as force is concerned, and uh, ultimately the George Floyd incident will not repeat itself in American history. That's what we all were. What are you hearing from American police about their concerns about the potential ramifications of this particular trial? You know, it's concerning in the sense that, that they feel that the, that the trial itself is going to be a spectacle for, for many people to watch and opine before the facts come out. Secondly, I think they're concerned about the riots that may have and take place in the street. Right? We just went through the, you know, a very contentious uh, electoral process in the United States. We went through the January 6th uh, storming of the Capitol. You know, the United States is divided, right? So we've got two, two or three or four perhaps different versions of what reality to be like in the states, and so, and then in the middle of all that, you have law enforcement that has sworn in to adhere to and enforce the Constitution of the United States. And so, I think the concern is, is that some of these uh, emotions are going to be played out in the streets, and that you know we're going to not only see that one incident in Minnesota, but we're going to see incidents across the United States similarly. Yeah. Uh, so, your second book, your new book, is racial profiling beyond the basics. Beyond the basics, yeah, it was published by Kendall Hunt. Uh, dot com. That's where your audience can find it. Um, like I said, it was, uh, you know, the, the Racial Fund America book was written a long time ago, and much has happened, uh, as, as I'm sure you know, in the context of, of, of racial profiling in, in law enforcement. So essentially what the book is uh, that was just recently published is, is uh, about 10 chapters of the history of racial profiling, but also some of the practical aspects of it, such as how do you measure it, how do you know that it's there. And I put a lot of my experiences, uh, both as federal monitor in two of the largest consent decrees of police reform cases in the U.S., and and having trained, you know, over 15,000 police officers in 23 years. So it's a, it's a neat book, it's a neat project, and I uh, hope your audience will find it useful and interesting. Yeah. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.